Welcome to the Roll Bama Roll podcast. I'm Wesley Gullett as always. I'll be joined by Brad Canning. Brad, we were supposed to start recording about 45 minutes to an hour ago. Would, hmm. would you like to tell everyone why I have been waiting on you all night and what the holdup was? Well, see, what happened was, <laughs> um, well, I can go to my grave saying I know what a skunk smells like now. Yeah. No, I didn't get sprayed. The dog did. That doesn't make it any better. It makes it actually <laughs> sadder. But let's just say I have less clothes than I owned before today. So the dog got sprayed in the mouth by a skunk. And now I'm going to be up editing this podcast at midnight. Hashtag thoughts and prayers. <laughs> well, I wasn't completely sure I'd be able to say this this year, but it is game week. I'm glad it's here, especially when you go back to like May. Man. Yeah, I, honestly, I did not think that this day would come. Yeah, I mean, I'll eat crow. Yeah. Even if it's got Corona, I'll eat it. I mean, <laughs> I didn't, I started accepting back in April and May when this thing was getting ramped up. I didn't think we'd have a season. Yeah. Alabama travels to Missouri for game one. And before the season officially begins, I want to know if you are staying consistent. Is Saturday the beginning of the Najee Harris Heisman campaign? Because at this point, it would not feel right if Brad wasn't completely convinced Najee Harris was winning the Heisman. Hey, look, you know me. If I'm anything, I am consistent. Without a question, you already know. I've been the leader of this train since it left Anaheim, or however you say it, in California. But yeah, I chose him when Tua was trying to make his run. Okay, I get it. Even Phil still kind of at that. But if there's a year, it's now. He came back. It's Najee time. We're more primed to run the ball this year than we have been in recent years. Yeah, the argument for it is that Look, we've been hearing Najee is dominating in practice. Word is he's improved in the offseason. He took the summer more seriously than he ever has. This is essentially his his contract year, his money yep. year. He has arguably the best offensive line in the country in front of him. And the absence of Tua may mean Alabama relies on the run more than they have in the past two seasons. And even if they don't, he, he's more than proven himself in the passing game as well. So there's a lot of arguments to be made for him being in, the, in that conversation. One thing Alabama does when they're breaking in a new quarterback is they like to run the ball and establish that ground game. But they also like to set up for play-action pass, too, to get the quarterback broken in more throughout a game. It bodes well right out the gate for Najee, at least in the first couple weeks. It does. I'd say the argument against it, uh, Trey Sanders is healthy, former number one running back prospect in the country. I would imagine he sees some carries. Uh, yep. We've ha heard good returns on Brian Robinson in the offseason. He's received carries over the, the course of the past couple seasons. I would think we'll probably see some of that again. And, and of course, the I don't know how much this will factor in, but the three talented freshman running backs, too. Uh, also, even though Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs, those guys are in the NFL, Alabama still returns probably – the top wide receiver group in the country with Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle. So the natural question then becomes, even though Najee will see the ball plenty, does he see the ball enough to win the Heisman? Uh, realistically and devil's advocate type, no. But I think there's also the potential more legitimately than the prior two years, obviously maybe yeah. a genius in hindsight, uh, for him too. And also how overshadowed is it that Devontae Smith has returned, but yet everyone's more focused on Jalen Waddle, which is also something I like. Uh, Najee Harris is currently listed with the seventh best odds in the country to win the Heisman right now. 
22 to 1. Brad, if you bet your entire worth, I don't know what that I don't know what that returns, but you'll get 22 times whatever that currently is. Well, I'll have you know, in 2015, I took Derrick Henry in May of 2015 at 20 to 1 to ah. win the Heisman, and lo and behold, guess who wished he put more than $100 on? <laughs> I was about to say, would you get 40 bucks? Yeah. Well, so Najee is seventh. Sticking with the, the Heisman theme here, Mac Jones and Jalen Waddle are both tied with the 10th best odds in the country at 25 to 1. Devontae Smith has the 18th best odds at 40 to 1. But Alabama has five players in the top 18 for Heisman odds. I've listed four. I want you to guess. This is probably semi easy. Who is the fifth player and possibly the most interesting name on that entire list? Give me the four again. Najee, Mac Jones, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith. There's a fifth Alabama player in the top 15, or top 18, I'm sorry. Is it Trey Sanders? Bryce Young. Bryce Young, yeah, that should have been, yeah. Yeah, Bryce Young has the 13th best odds in the country right now to win the Heisman wow. Trophy. Over 20, 28 to 1. <laughs> uh, well, no, 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 no. Uh, Mac Jones is, what did I say, 10th. Tied okay, for 10th. Yeah, Mac Jones 10th, Bryce Young 13th. I, I I don't really think it would have been realistic either way with, with Mac having the experience and time in the program he has. If Alabama would have had spring practice, maybe it would be more possible, but I think that time missed for an incoming freshman quarterback is, is pretty significant. But regardless, uh, you have to think they'll carve out some sort of role for Bryce Young. He's too talented to sit. No, without question, he's going to have some sort of role. Um but also, that seems like one of those Facebook marketing scams, too. Like, here, you know, if I got some oceanfront property in Idaho, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like, either way. Like he, he's uh, just listed there to be, yeah. Just, it's like a just-in-case. Dude, I mean, how just awesome would it be? And I hope they channel Interlane Kiffin with Sark and, and Mac and Bryce, and they put both quarterbacks on the field at the same time this year. I'm going to go ahead and call that. That's going to happen. Yeah, I agree. And Bryce Young is talented enough to where you can probably slot him in somewhere for for a play, not split him out wide. Let's see that speed. Uh, on top of that, as far as freshmen right now, Bryce Young is not even receiving the most hype in the in the freshman class, which is not something I envisioned myself saying really at any point during the last cycle. I don't uh, think there was a lot of people that did my friend. Yeah, and and it's not that Bryce Young isn't getting the hype that that we thought he would. But that that honor goes to Will Anderson, who is legitimately getting reviews, Brad, like I have never seen before. I asked Aaron Suttles probably two weeks or so ago uh, if if he thought Will Anderson was getting more hype before game one of his college career than any freshman at Alabama since Julio, because I thought he was. Aaron mentioned Amari Cooper. He mentioned Minka Fitzpatrick. And, And I think when you factor in the time since I've asked that question, it's safe to say now 1A and 1B are Julio and Will Anderson. Yeah, I mean, dude, it's like just come out of nowhere. And you know when it leaks out and it's a outside linebacker, not a quarterback, not a running back, not a wide receiver like back in Julio when that tape came out of practice, mm-hmm. which still is one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> um, you know it's legitimate and there's – it's probably been going on a lot longer than we knew just because it took this long and this fast for it all to come out and be solidified that this kid, this kid is something. And Kirby smart. This, this, 
Will Anderson is from Georgia. Uh, Alabama identified him pretty early on in the process, made him a priority target. Kirby Smart did not. They did not go after Will Anderson basically at all until late in the in the recruiting process. I think Kirby Smart's going <laughs> to live to regret that. Well, you know, that happens when you don't have a updated pitcher of the recruiting board for the last three years. So. <laughs> yeah. And I said Julio 1A, Will Anderson 1B. I'm not totally sure Will Anderson isn't 1A at this point. It's literally everyone who has any type of insight at all in the program saying how dominating he's been. And, yeah, and if you, you got to factor you know, in inflation with this, though, in a sense, follow me here. You okay. have to factor in the inflation of this hype because of social media. You did not have the exposure of social media and the influence it has within people and their opinions and their beliefs uh, as you do now. So as much as I do agree with you that he is the most hyped person since Julio, at least living in the moment, there's no way in hell if you had Julio right now, just look at one Atlanta Falcons game that he goes off in and watch what happens across the country. That If he right now was coming out of uh, high school, and he was coming to Alabama, and he had what he had in that first practice. Oh, yeah. No, it would have took off like wildfire. No, you're right. 2009, I mean, like Twitter was around in 2009. But but, we were still setting our top tens on MySpace still. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So so you're probably right. Like Will Anderson, there is more of a craze around it on social media, but social media is more prevalent now than it was 11 years ago. Um if you wanted any kind of confirmation, I think we got some of that on depth chart day a couple days mm-hmm. ago. Uh, we know we anybody who knows anything about Nick Saban is that if he hates anything, <laughs> he hates depth chart day. Yep. He releases one every year. It's always the same thing. There's like 45 starters listed. Every position has three potential guys starting. For instance, just as an example, you'll look at, say, running back on the sheet of paper, and it'll say, starting running back, Najee Harris. And then beside Najee Harris, it'll have or. It'll say, or Brian Robinson, or Trey Sanders, or Roydell Williams, or three of the walk-ons. And it's like seven dudes long that might start at running back. Like, I'm, obviously, I'm, I'm exaggerating some, but it's always just a list of guys with the word or. Beside each name, especially anyone in the spotlight going into that. Yeah. Yeah. Like every single year clockwork. Do you know what the depth chart release said at Jack linebacker this week? Uh, I'm pretty sure I can guess it was Will Anderson and everyone else. Yeah. It's Will Anderson and that's it. There was no oars to be found. (laughs) Like if you've kept up with depth chart day for the past decade, you know how significant that is to have a true freshman linebacker listed without the word or beside his name. Yeah, because it's not like we're talking a in comparison to the other 10 positions, a non-pivotal position here. They're all yeah. pivotal. But right. when you talk a true freshman on top of that, mm-mm. No. It's insane. I, I'm I'm probably most excited this weekend to to watch Will Anderson. Because we, you know, we didn't get a day. We didn't get like the spring practice reviews and stuff. So this is everybody's first chance to see a lot of guys. Yeah, I'm telling you, you really appreciate what you got. Uh, if we've learned anything this offseason, you know, since the end of last year. Alabama right now, Brad, is a 28-point road favorite. This is Eli Drinkwitz's 
first season. And I'm really I'm interested interested to see how his tenure goes because Missouri, an SEC program, which is still kind of weird to say. Sad. <laughs> I still don't know why that's a thing, but Missouri hired him after only being a head coach for one season. So he has one year of head coaching experience under his belt at App State, Appalachian State. Granted, Granted albeit he had a good year. Yeah, he was 12-1. and one. He won the conference, won his division, all that. But still, obviously a risk with a guy who's never built a program. Well, there's a reason why we feel the way we feel about Missouri's status within the SEC mm-hmm. because uh, you got to take that risk. If yeah, and, and maybe they hit so, on it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, maybe they did. Um, but really, right now, they're only known for two things, and, and it's having defensive line talent that they can develop consistently, and then also still being questioned why the hell they're in the SEC. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, God, that situation, that's not an easy job. Yeah, uh, it's, it's going to be tough for them, especially given everything that's been going on inside that program. I mean, it's probably, would you say it's harder to win there than it is anywhere not named Vanderbilt? I was about to say, yeah, you got to take the other one out. Yeah, no, I... I'd agree with that going into this season. Yeah. And there's no talent like this season. Yeah, for sure. He's, he's done some patchwork stuff, but there's no talent in the state of Missouri either. Like you, you can't build a foundation for a winning sec program with in-state kids from Missouri there. I looked up, there are three, four stars in the entire state. This cycle, two of them are going to Ohio state and Notre Dame, (laughs) but I mean, you just can't do that. So he's going to have to go out of state to build, to build his roster, and and that's that's tough, man. Uh, Did he go JUCO heavy this class? He he went uh, grad transfer heavy. Okay, he's done, yeah. like I said, he's done some patchwork so far. Yeah. Most of that's with grad transfers. Uh, you probably remember. I know you kind of like TCU a little yeah. bit. Like that's kind of like one of your Shout Sean, out to fan yeah. and friend of the show, Coach Gary Patterson. That's right. Um, Sean Robinson is starting for at quarterback from Missouri. Nice. Yeah. If that name sounds familiar to anybody, he has been TCU's quarterback for the past two seasons, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not sure. He he, he has played a lot in, in the recent years at, at uh, TCU. Yeah. They have some guys from uh, smaller colleges playing, basically coming in to start as grad transfer. So given the situation, I think – he has done a decent job building the roster and keep in mind, they lost four scholarships this year too, because of NCAA violations. <laughs> so he already has that, that going against him as well. No, I mean, I, I agree with you. He's done a great job for only being a second year head coach. What he at least proved in one year at app state granted way different talent level and competition level within your division, but the Sunbelt still ain't no slouch when you're another Sunbelt school. And the fact that he took over and went 12 and one, it shows that he found a way to make things work within his program and to bring out things that would benefit the system overall to be successful. And he's got a lot harder of a hill to climb, bigger of a hill to climb here now uh, with Missouri. And we all know why, but I won't be shocked if he doesn't have at least respectable losses uh, outside of this coming weekend throughout his first year because I think there are going to be some games that some things do click because he's able to tweak and adjust his system to do certain things a different way based on what he has it is a different situation I mean like App State is the is the USC of their conference or the Ohio State or Alabama Um, Missouri is the is 
Well, they're the <laughs> they're Missouri they're, they're, in their conference, the I guess. You ain't even got to talk yeah. about football. They're Missouri. Yeah. yeah, they're the Oregon State of the Pac-12 or the you know Illinois or whatever. There you so go. it's just a much, much different situation. Uh, he, App State's an easier job. It's an easier job than Missouri. Anyways, an interesting small storyline for me in this game is a guy named Ennis Rakestraw. He is a true freshman cornerback at Missouri. He's a guy a lot of people, Brad, thought Alabama was going to sign in February. So every cycle, I'm sure people have picked up on this, Alabama finds some kid somewhere we had not heard of at the very end of the recruiting cycle. They're, they're often a, a lower-ranked guy. They evaluate him. They offer him. And generally, Alabama signs that guy. Yep. Uh, we've seen it with guys like Josh Jacobs, Eddie Jackson, so on and so on. So last year, that guy was in a strike straw. He was a three-star. He was the 897th ranked player in the country from Texas. His only offer before the early signing period was Missouri. After that, somebody caught on somewhere. I don't know if it was Nick Saban that caught on first or whatever, but he had ended up having offers, like 30 offers including Alabama, including his, his home state school in Texas. His final three was Alabama, Texas, Missouri. He surprised everyone, including Eli Drinkwitz, the Missouri head coach, and chose Missouri over those, those two programs. Do you remember that video? Oh, buddy. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I got a little chill watching that. You know, it was, oh, it was awesome, awesome to see him because he hadn't been on the job at long at all. Yeah. And, you know, he, he landed a big fish like that. And he got his first win over Alabama, but it was shocking as hell, too, in a way. Yeah, so for those who may not remember or did not see it, there's a video that kind of went viral, at least in like the college football world last year, uh, on signing day. Ennis Rakestraw did not tell Missouri's coaching staff that he was going to commit to them on signing day. And the video is Eli Drinkwitz sitting at this table with himself. <laughs> yeah, by like completely alone. And then somebody's Everyone just kind of randomly, <laughs> yeah, like somebody's recording him and he is watching Ennis Rakestraw's commitment ceremony on his cell phone. And, you know, he, he's sitting there, it's kind of silent. You hear the background noise in the video. Uh, and then Drinkwitz realizes that the kid just chose Missouri over Alabama and Texas. Uh, I would highly recommend searching and watching it. Eli Drinkwitz reacts like it's like a nine-year-old that just opened an Xbox for yeah, Christmas. Yeah, if you're in your 30s or younger and you got an N64 for Christmas, you know this feeling. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I will say, too, for no reason more than what you just said is why Missouri does not be, need to be in the SEC. They were in the top three of a kid that Alabama wanted, but yet he had to watch the commitment video alone at a table on his cell phone and <laughs> yeah. on National Signing Day. Ass. <laughs> yeah, it's it's wild. But he, I mean, he goes nuts, like runs down the hallway. Yep. The rest, of, the rest of the coaching staff then <laughs> is like coming out of their office, uh, congratulating themselves moment, and all that. Yeah. It was. It's like such a feel good video. But can you imagine? I mean, think about this. Can you imagine being Eli Drinkwitz and realizing that you just beat out <laughs> Nick Saban for a corner? Dude, I'm gonna tell you what. There was no stink he was gonna smell that day. Yeah. He, he was living cloud nine. But like, think about this. If I walk down the street, just any random road, we'll say Broadway in Nashville. And I start asking random people if they know who Nick Saban is. Most people are going to say yes. Like there might be a few that, that don't know, but 
a large percentage of the people you ask are going to know who Nick Saban is. If I walk down that same street and ask people if they know who Eli Drinkwitz is, I'm betting almost nobody does. Like 99% of them are going to say, is that a singer? Cause you're in Nashville yeah. and that's a singer name if I've ever heard it. Yeah. Like I guarantee, I guarantee we know how many people listen. Like we check yeah. our numbers every, every week. We know how many people listen to this show. I guarantee there are people listening to this podcast who would not have been able to name Missouri's coach before they started listening. So for an, for an up, I mean, I don't, if you had asked me a week ago, like I knew who it was. I knew it was a guy with a weird name, but I'm not a hundred percent sure I could have just come up with the name on the spot. Look, I'll, <laughs> so, I'll go on record. I'll say, I thought this son gun's name was DJ. <laughs> like, I was sitting here thinking DJ Durkowitz. Like, I don't even know who he is. So shout yeah. out to that guy. Well, so for an up and coming guy like that to beat out two big time programs and the greatest coach to ever live. And, and you had all the, just like the turmoil and the bad yeah. PR going on at Missouri. And all of a sudden yes. he comes in, takes the job and he gets that recruit. Dude. I mean, it was just exactly what he needed, you know, as a building block. And to make it even better, Ennis Rickstraw is listed as a starting corner for Saturday's game. So welcome to college football. Now go cover Devonte Smith and Jalen Waddle. Yeah. I mean, dude, that's a hell of a story for the kid. I mean, he, he definitely earned it. He, in his head, made the right decision. And I don't know, like I said, before we started recording, if that says more about Missouri or more about him, uh, <laughs> yeah. but either way, it's still not easy as we've seen, not easy to start as a freshman at corner. Yeah. That'll definitely be like one of the interesting things me, me to watch like him in his first game against, against Alabama, who he chose, and, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, can we just go ahead and say if it's not a slant, the first pass of the game is going to be a post route to whoever he's covering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm very pro like any kid choosing whatever school he wants to go to. So yeah, it was just a cool moment. Yeah. And, uh, but quickly before we leave, does Alabama cover 28? Just literally, you can say yes or no. Fourth quarter. Yes. Yeah. Me too. All right. This has been the roll Alabama roll podcast. Roll Tide.